everybody, Katie Reif here, and this week I've got a very special guest. We've got film editor A.A. Dowd. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And we're going to be discussing The Long Night, episode three of season eight of Game of Thrones on Winter is Here with the AV Club. Winter is here. This week, the Great War was won at Winterfell, but not without heavy losses, both in terms of human lives and in our ability to see them being lost. <laughs> in an episode that's essentially a feature-length battle scene, the action ebbed and flowed, but in the end, a girl with no name emerged as a hero. Alex, when Arya jumped out to kill the Night King, I literally, in my living room, jumped and said in a very loud voice, all by myself, oh my god, Arya killed the Night King! <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew somebody was coming in that moment. You think so? Right? Yeah. Did you think it was possible that Bran dies in that moment? I thought Bran was going to die killing the Night King. Like he was uh, going to like go inside the Night King and like shatter his brain from the inside or something. I didn't like really know. Or like bring a flock of ravens down to yeah. attack him or something. Yeah, like I didn't yeah. know how it was going to go down, but I kind of thought that maybe Bran was preparing to sacrifice himself to kill the Night King. Mm -hmm. And so having Arya come out from the side like, ha ha, I got you, fucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was truly surprising to me. Totally. I don't know. Was it to you? Well, I think maybe this is part of the fact that episode aired the same weekend as Avengers Endgame. Oh, okay, which I've I haven't of, seen yet. Right, so. I've sort of become prepared for these sort of last minute saves. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, somebody is going to come in <laughs> yeah. in this last moment and stop this from happening. Well, that's really interesting because that is like a very, that's a kind of mindset that this show did not have at first. It's true. You know, when it's it true. first started, it was like, no, anything could happen at any time. And that yep. was a big part of the show's appeal. And now, like you were saying, you anticipated it because it had the same like kind of beats as a Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah, movie, totally. which has a very pre-established, very blockbuster, comic booky sense of beats. And so I think that comment right there really shows how much this show has changed over the years. It has, yeah. I think you're right that this used to be a show that was, I would say this was the most unpredictable thing on TV. Oh, yes, um, definitely. Anybody could die. and Horribly. Uh, horribly, yes. And if you liked them, the and more senselessly, horrible their death. And senselessly, too. Yes. Senselessly. Yes. You know, there, there, was not a, there was not always a sense that it, when a character died on Game of Thrones, they were dying in any way that was noble. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was just wrong place, wrong time. Mm -hmm. um, it actually reminded me, it reminds me a little bit of The Wire in that sense yeah. uh, for a while. Or just straight out cruelty. Like they would yeah. kill characters just to show how cruel this world was. Absolutely. Yep. Which is also kind of like The Wire. Of course. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, well, well, we're going to spoil The Wire for you real quick. Like when Omar dies on The Wire, it's yes. just so like, yes, the world is a dark and senseless place. Right, totally. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it was around the time that they diverged from George R.R. R. Martin's books yeah. that this show became... I, I have trouble articulating, except that it became more like a regular TV show. And a lot of that is in the character beats. Like, it's like, in many ways, the character work is the strongest thing about the show right mm -hmm. now. Like last week, obviously, there was a ton of character work. And this week, a moment that was like a small moment, but I really liked was Tyrion and Sansa down in the crypt being yeah. like, you know, just kind of holding hands and being like, you know, you're the you're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, totally. And going out to fight. That was like a really great moment to me. And, and that's a, you know, character as a strength, but they also have character as a weakness. And I think that showed a lot in this episode in the, the character deaths. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of talking about this before we started uh, rolling, where all the characters that died, had, it was the culmination of their arc. 
Yes. In this episode, yeah, you know? It sort of felt like at this point these characters have outlived their usefulness to this mm-hmm. plot. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they can die, you know? Yeah. Um, which is, again, I think is a deviation from how this show used to operate. Oh, when, absolutely. Uh, you look at somebody like Rob Stark, it doesn't appear that his arc is over when he dies. No, yeah. He, um, he's building towards something bigger, supposedly, yes. which is why it's so shocking right. when they all die. Right. A lot of the characters who died last night, mm-hmm. I feel like, were people who... Well, a lot of them died defending someone else. Mm-hmm. So uh, Very noble. Of, yep. So all these deaths had meaning, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, uh, so remind me of who died. I'm, I'm not always great about the names of some <laughs> of these characters. These were all like the, the sort of... These are these are below the line characters, mostly yeah, who mostly died. Mostly below the line characters. No yeah. Starks, uh, no Lannisters, no fan faves. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure they were going to kill somebody just because people liked them, like yeah. Brienne or Tormund or both. Totally. But they both lived. So uh, again, very much like a typical television show. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Let's test my yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I have them written down. So can oh you my do god, it are we gonna do without a quiz? looking at these? All right. Okay. It's fi- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you five. I'll there's five characters. Okay, great. There's uh, Dolores Ed from the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. There's Jorah Mormont, whose entire life has been building towards sacrificing himself for Daenerys Targaryen, yep. and he got to sacrifice himself for Daenerys Targaryen. So congratulations, Jorah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Tiny Mormont, mm-hmm. aka Lyanna Mormont. Got to go out a badass death, and that is one way this show is still willing to be shocking, which is by killing kids in really like horrible graphic ways. Yeah, yeah. I remember somebody last week being like, when, when we were talking about the odds of character death, somebody yeah. being like, "Well, they won't kill a kid." And I'm like, "Have you watched this show? They yes, burned a they kid would. at the stake. <laughs> yes, know? yes. Like, children die. Yeah, they had a Thrones. screaming zombie baby in front of like a flaming wheel yeah. of limbs. Like yeah. they would kill a kid, and and they did." Tiny Mormont, R.I.P. Again, like she went out with this with honor, which was uh, like her, her. I don't want to say her only character beat, but it was like her main character yeah. beat was that she's just like very like tough and honorable and a warrior. So, again, good for her. Mm-hmm. And then Theon Greyjoy died, mm-hmm. which I I have to say that for me was the most affecting yeah. of the deaths. And, yeah. and it's it's a little obvious that Theon is going to get some kind of redemption after mm-hmm. everything he's done, and everything he's been through. They've they've sort of given him moments of false redemption where mm-hmm. he's failed to step up. Yeah. Last season he had a big one where he sort of fled, mm-hmm. you know? But I did find it affecting giving him some moment of of redemption. I'm trying to peek at your... Oh, did you forget oh, the last one? Oh, I forgot the last one! Yeah. Uh, and then, but I, I peeked at Alex's paper, if you're listening. Beric Dondarrion. Yes. The... Uh, eye patch Lazarus. Eyepatch <laughs> Lazarus. <Yeah. laughs> R.I.P. Eyepatch Lazarus. Well, somebody even says at a certain point, he was brought back for a purpose and that purpose mm-hmm. is served. And Melisandre says that straight out. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And that to me feels like almost like the show acknowledging that all of these characters have served their purpose, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally, because you're right that that was the unifying theme with all the deaths this week, which is that they were all, not that they wanted them, but they kind of wanted them. That's Mm -hmm. the death that they all wanted was to sacrifice themselves for someone else and to be redeemed and all that kind of stuff. Although there, I do have one question about Theon's death, Mm -hmm. which is that if Bran knew Arya was coming, Mm -hmm. right? He knew. And he let Theon go anyway? Well, maybe he was giving Theon what he wanted. That's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Theon gets to... You don't think Theon wanted on some level to go back to the Iron Islands and hang out with his sister and drink, get drunk talk about girls? I think that what he, <laughs> he wants in his heart of hearts is to die defending the Starks. Yeah. And Bran even says, you're home. You know? That's true. Like he, He's like, you know, everything that you did brought you back to here. Yeah, you're that's true. Now. 
That's true. I don't know. I, I, for me, that was maybe the most moving beat in, in the episode. I agree it was the most moving beat in the episode, but I was a little like, Bran, you didn't have to do <laughs> you that, could, buddy. You, you could have told him to just like. You could have been like, yeah. mm, get it over, get stuck. Well, but the question aside. is, does Arya, can Arya come in and save the day if Theon doesn't. Oh, doesn't, doesn't distract yeah, him. doesn't slow it down. It's oh. all part of the rich tapestry of, of fate. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, who can argue with the rich tapestry of fate? That's I right. certainly can. <laughs> but, but, uh, so who did you think was the MVP of this episode? Okay, so... If we're looking at it as definitely, a feature-length battle. Okay. Uh, well, I definitely, Arya gets the medal, you know. Yeah. Uh, we joked last time about uh, the end of Game of Thrones being like the end of Star Wars, where everybody mm-hmm. gets a medal from Princess Leia. Like, Arya definitely earned her medal this week by jumping out from the side and saving the day at the last minute. And and I didn't realize, like, when I was watching it, I was like, whoa, where'd she come from? I, I didn't realize that she had... Uh, whoa, what do they call it when they put on the face? She put on her, uh, one of her faceless man faces yeah. as a white walker, I think, is how she blended uh. in. I don't know. If anyone disagrees with me, please let me know. Because when I saw it, I was like, did she just come running up from the side like, ah! Yeah, that is a little confusing how she got from inside the castle. To there. To there. I yeah. think because right before that, Melisandre asks her, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. And that's something from the Faceless Men. And there were a lot of references to things she learned from the Faceless mm. Men before that in the episode. So I think maybe she put on the face of a white walker and she mm-hmm. was walking behind the Night King, yeah, and he didn't see her because she was in her uh, White Walker outfit. So checks out to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but speaking of Melisandre, I thought she was. She also deserves a medal this episode. Mm-hmm. Good job, Melisandre, mm-hmm. because she has been. At first, she was an overtly evil character, and then she was a morally neutral character, mm-hmm. and now she's fully on the side of good and mm-hmm. the living. And which is more consistent with what we know about the religion of the Lord of Light, which is very, it's sort of a Christianity analog. Yeah, isn't this kind of just like repenting on your deathbed in a way? A little know? bit, yeah. She's like, well, this is the end for me, so I need to do some good before yeah. before I go out, you know? Also, would you call what happens to her at the end suicide? I think possibly. It depends on how literally you want to take like the religious aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw it as she made a deal with the Lord of Light. That, like, if you save these people, then I'll give myself. Yeah. Like, basically, she made a deal with her god, and then her god held up his end, and so she held up her end. Got it. Is how I interpret it. Are there multiple gods in this world? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's multiple religions, for sure. Right. Like, there's the Lord of Light, which is, like, Christianity, and then they have um, the, the, I forget the name of it, but there's, like, a more ancient religion that they practice in the north. But why wouldn't everybody just worship the Lord of Light if we have tangible proof that that he makes miracles. Okay, you know? <laughs> Elder Dowd, getting all Christian with us here. Why yeah. worship other gods when there's a real one? Well, there's proof. <laughs> I'm just saying there's proof. Anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, it did work this time. Yeah. So maybe the Lord of Light will win a few converts out of this one. Yeah, because, yeah, totally. like, he did kind of, through Melisandre, where she lit the Dothraki swords on fire at the beginning, which was pretty fucking yeah. cool. And then she started the fire in the uh, in the pit yeah. to, you know, delay. The, so, like, twice throughout the battle, she kind of saved the day. Well, I don't know. She definitely 
brought the morale up at the beginning, although it's debatable how much the Dothraki swords being on fire really actually helped. Actually helped. Well, it, but it did allow for a really cool image. Yes, it did. Yeah. One of my my favorite in the whole episode. I think personally. so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. way that that moment was staged, I thought was pretty brilliant. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell the tell the people which moment we're talking about? So we're talking about the moment at the very beginning of the episode where she lights the Dothraki blades on fire. They charge into battle. And instead of seeing that from the perspective of the, uh, of the warriors who have charged in the battle, we basically just see it from uh, sort of John and Daenerys' perspective mm-hmm. at the from castle. From the wall of Winterfell. Yes. Yeah, what it would so we like. just see in the, in the far distance, we just see these little flickers of light mm-hmm. slowly being extinguished, you know, which is yeah. very ominous it's and, and so a beautiful ominous. image. Yeah. And um, man, RIP the, the Dothraki. Yeah, though. so yeah. that whole tribe of people is just. Gone, just gone now, I guess. They're Along all Along with gone. most of the um, the Unsullied as well, right? Most of them, yeah. So Daenerys doesn't have much of an army anymore. That's true. And, well, there's another, there's a few Daenerys moments that make me kind of wonder where this show is going with Daenerys, if maybe she'll have a last-minute heel turn. Like, for example, the Night King, she doused him with da- dragon fire and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So that could either just be a Night King White Walker thing, you know, just general magic. But if you remember, Targaryens also cannot be burned with fire. So is the Night King a dead Targaryen? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know how much it matters at this point considering Arya killed him. I think in the books they reveal who it is. Oh, really? I think. Okay. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was talking to somebody who reads the books and was like, that person did not want to tell me because it could be a spoiler. I bet it's a Targaryen. Could be. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, please tell us in the comments. And I mean, we're going to get on dunked Twitter. on really hard for this one. <laughs> Somebody's going to come in. Excuse me. I know. Katie's going to come back like. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. On page 516. She's like, I leave for one episode. <laughs> you go and talk this nonsense. Anyway. And you guys can't remember what book they revealed yeah. it in. And we're like, sorry. Now, do you agree with, because um, a lot of folks are talking about how they felt that this episode was too dark. Yes, I understand that. And it was hard to tell what was going on at times. But I have a bit of a minority view on this that I think that was actually intentional and good. Mm -hmm. Okay. I liked the, like, we were talking about the shot with the, the darkness and the lights slowly going out one by one. I think the fact that the background of, like, all around Winterfell, there was, like, fire and light and battle going on. And all around it was just, like clouds and darkness and blackness that to me was extremely ominous because it was like like what's darker like death is like the ultimate darkness like there's an you know mm-hmm. it's well and they want to i think they want to put you in uh the shoes of a lot of the people fighting totally, this battle as well. yes. it, 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 it's it's a dark place totally well <laughs> yeah. and also yeah like um they had snow falling and they had ash falling from all the fires mm-hmm. and then um so that was that you know hurt the visibility and also another thing that I thought was actually pretty cool was the way that they showed the army of the dead it was like a force of nature specifically it was like water yeah. like you know when the battle very first starts and they kill the Dothraki and then they come up to fight the unsullied and the army of the dead it comes on like a tidal wave mm-hmm. they don't charge forward like people, you know, like human soldiers would. It's like a tidal wave that engulfs them. And I yeah. thought that was so scary. Well, they put off showing them too for a really yeah. long time. It, mm-hmm. it is just this 
this ominous unseen threat for a while, mm -hmm. you know, which is why I think another reason that that opening moment when we see the Dothraki charge in and we yeah. don't see it from their perspective, it's scary. why that works so well. Yeah, yeah it's it, scary. It is, I think it is genuinely scary. I do think that some of this episode shades into incoherence. Um, uh, sure, in the battle scenes. Deliberately or not. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, definitely in a in a medieval battle like this, especially considering all the factors where it's nighttime and it's snowing and there's fire and ash. In if you were actually in that situation, you wouldn't be able to see jack shit. Absolutely, you wouldn't. So I think it, I, I I think there is a fair justification for it. Sure. I still think it occasionally makes watching the episode a little bit of a chore. Yeah. I also think the stuff on the dragons is occasionally hard to follow as well. Yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, they were, like, going up in the clouds and stuff. But, yeah, I kind of had trouble following the battle with the three with the three dragons yeah. up in the clouds. I had a little yeah. bit of trouble following that one. So. I will say this, too, that Game of Thrones generally, especially as a television show, has wonderful special effects. Mm -hmm. I think whenever I'm seeing Daenerys on that dragon, I that is an effect that has never... It's never worked for you. I just don't find it convincing. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm watching I'm watching a green screen effect here. You know, yeah. It's the one moment where watching that show where I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't a big budget movie. This is a TV show. Right. You know. Well, it's a big budget TV show. They a spent very. I heard seventy million for this episode. They, yeah, they spent the amount. Uh, like I think they spent more on this episode than they spent on Hellboy. <laughs> they did, yeah. Sure. Speaking of which, Neil Marshall did not direct this episode. That's right. Yeah, yeah he did direct Hellboy. Um. Maybe that's why he couldn't do it, because he was making Hellboy. Maybe. doesn't seem like that was the right choice. Yeah, him, I wonder but... how he feels about that decision. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh... Neil Marshall could do, like, really badass, chaotic medieval battle, but you could still follow it. Well, sure. And Marshall did two of the big battle episodes before this. Uh, his, his two episodes were Blackwater and The Watchers on the Walls. And that's, like, I mean, at this point, he's he, – with, like, younger viewers, I think, he's probably as well or better known for that than he is for, like, The Descent. Oh, that's you know, 100%. Because the yeah. descent was 15 years ago All right, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, people, so. I think most people probably know him best as... As the dude Game from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, like, uh, I, I really liked... Um, what they did with the with the chaos of it, but I understand why it was frustrating. Like because I, one of the things I was doing, which I think everybody was doing, is I was kind of on death watch, where mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, ooh, was ooh, did that did Brienne just fall into that pile of zombies? Right. You know, just like watching for that, and the how dark it was and how chaotic it was made it really hard to tell mm -hmm. who so you, had survived. That's intentional too, you think? I I mean I think. I don't think it was fully intentional. I think it's a really interesting kind of refutation of something that has become very common with Game of Thrones, where people have death pools and everyone mm -hmm. wants to talk about who's going to die and making it hard to tell who died. I'm not sure that they did that as a deliberate kind of like thumbing their nose at that aspect yeah. of watching the show, but it definitely functioned that way. Sure. Um, what I really liked about this episode um, was that uh, it's not just pure sound and fury mm -hmm. for, the whole, for the whole episode. There's There actually is quite a bit of dynamic range in it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of quiet, actually. Even yeah. once the, you know, you kind of expect that at the beginning because I think the, the beginning sets this up really well in that you have this sort of calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. Everyone's afraid and they're delaying the dead getting there, you know. Um, but then even after the battle has become, has, has sort of started uh, in earnest, mm -hmm. And we're getting these these moments, you know, giant, basically giant zombies walking around, dragons yeah. flying around, breathing fire. Yeah, that ice dragon destroying Winterfell when dumbass Jon Snow <laughs> thought he was going to fight a dragon by himself. 
That guy. Very on brand for Jon Snow. It's so on brand for Jon Snow. I was telling my friend last night that Jon Snow never has a backup plan. It's always just, I'll be heroic. And like, and that's it. But anyway, go on. Um, <laughs> but even after all that stuff has begun, uh, the episode is giving you these moments of quiet. I think actually one of my favorite moments of pure action in the episode is what I'm calling the raptors in the kitchen scene. Ah, yes. Which is actually Arya in the library, walking around, trying not to make a sound. That's, that's a really nice contrast to... You have, you know, out on the battlefield, you have mm-hmm. uh, just pure chaos. You have bodies falling like rain yes. out on the battlefield. Yep. And yeah. here, the, but the, here in the library, the stakes are just one girl trying mm-hmm. to get through this library without making a sound. Yeah, you know? And I yeah. thought that was really effectively Do you staged. think it was, you thought it was well done? Yeah, oh, I love the moment where she runs into a White Walker and just kind of quietly. Oh, yeah, and just sticks that, like, bu- like butcher knife, that yeah, carving yeah. knife in her throat. Yeah. Really effective moment. And in general, I just appreciated the, the stretches of quiet in this. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, one mo- one of the things about the quiet that I really liked was in the crypt, how they would cut to the crypt occasionally, yeah. and you couldn't hear anything down in the crypt. Totally. Like, except for one moment where I don't know if someone opened the door or yeah. what, but, like, for, like, a few seconds it was really loud. You could hear the battle mm-hmm. outside, and then, yeah, like, no one came in, so I'm not sure where this wave of sound came from, but then it passed, and then it's quiet again. Yeah, totally. I thought that was yeah. really compelling. Well, that moment also made me realize, too, how fairly invested I am at this point in a lot of the characters who, mm-hmm. who are remaining and how, you know, you watch a show like The Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead, I'm always like, can we please just get to some zombie action? That's like the <laughs> right. one thing that show does well at yeah. this point. Can we just get to a zombie set piece? And I'm watching this and I'm just thinking, you know, I just want more of these characters. So you know, uh, you're watching this and you're like, yeah, 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 enough with the zombie set pieces. Kind of, yeah. Let's get to the characters. Totally. Uh, well, I mean, I really do, do think that that speaks to the way that the show has evolved. Mm-hmm. So uh, thoughts for going forward? What, uh, where, do, where does the show go from here? Hmm. Well, you know, there only is one place to go from here, and that is to King's Landing. Yeah. Are we going to get another big Cersei. battle scene? Well, from what I understand, there were two feature-length episodes out of the six, and mm. so that that would seem to indicate a, and they always do a penultimate battle scene. So but I'm, Would that be redundant at this point, you know? Uh, I mean, when you have a 90-minute battle scene, I mean, what are they going to do, a two-hour one, you know? Another 90-minute one, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just kind of feel like both of these conflicts do come from the very beginning of the series. Like, Mm -hmm. the very first scene in Game of Thrones is uh, Beyond the Wall, where we see the White Walkers for the first time. But um, also... Like, also from episode one is the conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters, and that's mm-hmm. got to get settled. Yep. So I think, yeah, and and usually this show gives you one big battle season per episode, but it's the last season, yeah. so maybe we'll get two for the price of one this time. Well, here's, I, I, I'm going to be on the record as saying I hope that they find a way to resolve this series that doesn't end in another big battle. I kind of got my fill with this one. But well, I'm probably I might be the minority in that respect. Well, but, like yeah. I respect that opinion, and I, th- I it's really interesting. But I don't. I'm I don't not gonna think, get what I want. Anyway. I don't think Cersei's gonna go down without a fight, man. Yeah. I think she. I think it's gonna get very weird again. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if we just had a whole episode that is from the perspective of a, of a single character? What if there was a whole episode in the crypt, basically? The oh. battle's happening outside, and we're just in the crypt. And then, Would I be the only one who liked that? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to. We, yep. you know, we're halfway through the last season, and yeah, visibility issues aside, like I thought there was some really great tension in mm-hmm. this episode. A lot of my favorite moments were Arya in this episode, like totally. like the Jurassic Park moment you referenced. I really mm-hmm. liked, and like I said, I was genuinely surprised and excited when she dropped the knife and got the Night King yeah, right yeah. in the stomach. I was like, yeah, go Arya. It's a very satisfying moment. Yeah, yeah. Also. Is she now the greatest hero in the history of this fictional world? I mean, she killed the Night King. Yeah. That's quite an arc for her. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 And, uh, and, um, her man Gendry better be waiting for her when, she, when she's <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's all. That's all we've got for this week yeah. on uh, Winter is Here with the AV Club. Thanks uh, for having me. Well, yes, thanks for coming on. It's so exciting. Yeah. I knew I'm when, you know, I came in really excited to talk about all the filmmaking stuff with you because, yeah. like... Totally. That's what you do for a living. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so winter is here with the AV Club. We are now on our third episode, and we are big time now. We are on iTunes and everywhere else you can get your podcasts. Please subscribe and give us five stars. We would really appreciate it. It helps, uh, helps other people find the show. And as we all know, there's no dearth of Game of Thrones podcasts in the world, but we think ours is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And um, also, check out our other podcast. It's called Dial M for Maple, if you're a Riverdale fan, and that is also on iTunes. So thanks for listening or watching, as the case may be. And we'll join you next week when the living are fighting each other. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.